What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Finally, we made it to 2021. It seems like things are kind of the same. So it wasn't like a magic wand that was waved once the balls dropped. Sorry, the ball dropped in Times Square and it was like, all right, everything's back to normal now. No, we're, we're still kind of in it. So it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Guys, it's don't worry about it. Should we just redo it? Roll it. This is the Wells Cast with Wells Adams, an iHeartRadio podcast. Oh, yeah, it is, bro. Okay. Wells Cast, first episode of 2021. Excited about today's episode. You know, the whole idea of this show is origin stories and like the things that people had to do to get to the places that they are today, the turmoil that they had to uh, endure. The one thing that I always come back to after having these conversations with these extremely successful people is their work ethic. There is no substitute for hard work. There really isn't. I don't know if I've met anybody who just was successful because they were lucky. I think we all want to think that's the truth, but it's just not. And sometimes you can start out super successful and then things kind of fall off. And then you have to kind of jump back on, hustle, 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 and bring yourself back up to it, which is the case of our guests today. Yeah, they were on a TV show when they were a kid. Yeah, their manager as a kid was Lou Pearlman, the guy who created the Backstreet Boys, and Aaron Carter, and many others. Yeah, they were on a bunch of hit reality TV shows. Yeah, they had a number one single, but in this industry, it's feast or famine. And what I love about this episode today is our guests could be so entitled from who their father is, all the work they've done, and just kind of rested on their laurels. That's not what happened. This woman buckled down, reinvented herself, and in the meantime, didn't ask for a damn thing from her famous father, but waited tables on the side, burned the candle at both ends, and is back on the come up. This is a really inspiring story, and for those of you out there who are hustling like crazy, this episode will remind you that, dude, we've all been there before. The star of Hogan knows best. The star of Brooke knows best. The daughter of Thunderlips himself. That's right. Today on the Wellscast, 
It's Brooke Hogan. This is one episode, dude, you are not going to want to miss. I Mom met a lot of your demands over the years. This Mother's Day, get her the Bartesian cocktail maker that makes premium cocktails on demand. In just 30 seconds, have your choice of over 60 premium or seasonal cocktails, all at the touch of a button. Get $50 off on the Bartesian cocktail maker now when you buy one pack of cocktail capsules. So, for all the times you made a mess, get mom the countertop cocktail system that makes premium cocktails without making any mess at all. For all the times you begged for soda, get her premium cocktail capsules made with real fruit juice and craft bitters. For all the times you demanded tacos for dinner, get her the Bartesian that mixes margaritas in just 30 seconds. Make mom's Mother's Day and all the 364 days that aren't Mother's Day with a Bartesian cocktail maker at $50 off. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother now to get $50 off the Bartesian premium cocktail maker. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Wednesday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. All right, back in the Wells cast, very excited to have someone who I've watched for a very long time on reality TV, the one, the only, Brooke Hogan. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Listen, so you got a lot of stuff going on. You're like the only person in f***ing showbiz that's working right now, so congratulations on that. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know a few people that are, but it's definitely been hard with this COVID thing. I mean, man, it's just hard to make a human connection. It's hard to see people, play music, you know, meet up with people. It's, it's a completely different world that we live in now. Well, congratulations on your new uh, country single, Love People, which is out now. I was listening to it on Spotify, and I gotta say, I love the sound, but it is a departure from what I know you as. God, back when I was with Lou Pearlman down in Orlando, Florida, the boy band mogul, he actually had me doing guitar-driven music back then, but nobody ever got to hear that music because he got caught for money laundering and everything got seized and auctioned off, and that was the end of that. And then I was just doing some some pop stuff with uh, Larry Rudolph, Britney Spears' manager, and, and I did like a one-off show at Mansion in Miami, and Scott Storch just happened to be there. And he was like, we're going to make you our flagship artist. We want to sign you. So I was like, okay, you know, because I could dance and, you know, do the whole thing because obviously I came from the boy band camp where they groom you to be a pop sensation. And because um, and I had a little bit of soul and I was raised on, you know, Teddy Pendergrass and Luther Vandross and stuff, he was like, we're going to make you an R&B like white girl, and you're going to be like a white Sierra. And I was like, okay, that sounds fun. You know, you're 18 years old. You're like, I'm down with that. Um, 
And it went well. I mean, we did, we did great, but you know, it's kind of hard because I think people box you into one thing and you don't realize when you're a songwriter, it's like if somebody said, write a song that sounds like Justin Bieber right now, great. Write a song for a girl band, you know, for Disney, you know, it's like, you can kind of mold yourself into anything you really need to be. But I think I'm kind of returning back to where my, my passion is and where I feel more comfortable. Can we play a little bit of this love people single? Sure. Yeah. You down with that? All right, let's do it. I feel like this is a, I guess, appropriate song for the times we're living in right now. <laughs> Seriously, right? It's so funny because we recorded this song and we were like, man, it really fits with this whole, you know, pandemic and everything that we're going through. And then this bomb hit Nashville and it makes even more sense now. It's just kind of like, I was talking to my friends. I'm like, people want so badly to be connected and they want to be in love and they want to love each other and they want to feel like they're part of a community. But then we self-sabotage and we've got these people that are destroying our community and not coming together and doing the opposite. I'm like, can we please just raise the consciousness and stop being crazy people and just, why can't we all just get along, you know? So, um, you know, but I'm proud of my city. I mean, if one, if there's one thing Nashville knows how to do is they know how to come together and, and be strong together. So it's just super unfortunate, you know? And it's like, it feels like the world is ending. I'm sure a lot of people feel like that. It's like, people are starting to get cabin fever. They're like, when is this going to end? When are we going to have a cure, a vaccine, a this or that, so that we can get back to our normal lives? It's just starting to drive people insane. <laughs> Tell me about the songwriting process for this. I mean, you're now living in Nashville, which is the mecca of music row and songwriting. So was this different than some of the other music that you put out, just in terms of like logistics of creating it? Well, so, yeah, actually, it, it really it's very different as far as creating it because being in Nashville, I write everything. And this was a song that we actually stumbled upon and gave us goosebumps. So I had no hand in writing it, but when I heard it, I was like, Oh my God, I have to record that song. It's amazing. And I was lucky enough to be able to get my hands on it. And some of our great friends and songwriters in Nashville wrote it. So it was already felt, it already felt like a personal thing because we knew the people that wrote it, but I do try to write most of my stuff. But sometimes if you just stumble upon a great song, it's a great song. There's nothing you can do about it. So except sing it. <laughs> That's one of the things I kind of love and hate about Nashville. One, a lot of the songs that come out of Nashville are not very personal to the artist because they didn't actually write it. That's also kind of goes with pop music. But then what I love about it is it's this industry that pumps out so much money for so many people because a lot of people have hands in writing this. And then it becomes like a very communal aspect yeah, it's feeding a lot of families, but then you have like those kind of bluebird writers in the round thing where you get to like hear the background stories and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, it definitely, it's a place where your dream can come true, even if it doesn't come to full fruition. Like you can still do your passion. You can still do what you love. Even if you never make it on the big stage, you can at least 
make a living doing what you love, which is so great about Nashville. So there is no city like Nashville. That's for sure. Yeah. When you say that, it reminds me of this quote that I heard Bill Murray say one time where he says, everyone wants to be rich and famous, but just try to be rich first and see if that's enough, which is very, very true. I feel like a lot of songwriters are like, I don't know if I want to be on tour 48 weeks out of the year and have to like sign autographs and stuff. I want to get some mailbox money and chill in my house and bell mead. It's true. One of my really good friends, Jen Denmark, is a songwriter for Curb, and she's like one of their top songwriters, and she's so successful and has done so well in songwriting, and she gets to enjoy her privacy, and I'm like, I'm so jealous <laughs> that you didn't have to like go like hoe yourself out. <laughs> but I always, I always said I never did it for the fame. I'm kind of a little bit more of an introvert. I don't like being around a ton of people. I love being home. I'm a homebody. Um, I feel silly doing selfies and videoing myself, even though that is the way of the world. I feel like, oh my gosh, I have to keep up with these kids and I feel so narcissistic. I hate this. Um, but yeah, it, it is a completely different world. You have to stay on the TikTok and the Triller and the this and the that. And I'm like, there are too many social media platforms. I just need to post to one every couple of weeks and that would be good for me. But so, yeah, you know, but it, it is cool. The one thing I have found, even though fame definitely has, I feel, probably more downsides than upsides. One of the upsides is if you do have your head on your shoulders, if you are not a jerk and you use your fame for good to influence people in the right ways and to try to help people, then it makes it fulfilling on that aspect of it. Well, yeah, and also you're not, you know, I come from the bachelor world where so many people go into that, I think mainly to get big Instagram follows and sell kind of bullshit on Instagram, which no judgment to anyone that does that, I do that. But you were thrust into it at a young age where it like wasn't your prerogative, really it was like, I, I would assume it was your pop's prerogative to start this show and make a little extra cash. And you were kind of- Roman's prerogative because the Osbournes were on TV and he said, I'm telling you the new way of the world is reality TV. We have to get Brooke a reality show and it'll help her music. So we actually did the reality show to help the music, which it absolutely did. It gives you so much exposure. It's like free advertising for, well, not free, but you know, advertising for 30 minutes every time an episode airs. It's like, you know, people have to pay millions of dollars for that kind of time slot if it's a commercial. So and we were just kind of pioneers in it because the Osbournes had done it and they were a little bit dirtier and they were cursing and just kind of like fly on the wall, like seeing how raunchy they were. And it was hilarious. But we decided to go down the path of our basis was that old show Father Knows Best, mm -hmm. where there's like a moral at the end of the story and this and that. And it kind of fit the, the narrative of, you know, we're a family unit. You know, you expect Hulk Hogan to be this big screaming guy. Uh, like you see in the ring. And really, he's this tender, you know, cries at the Lion King kind of guy. And I was doing my music and Nick was doing his stuff. So, uh, but at the end of our show, it was always a moral at the end of the story. So we tried to make it positive. <laughs> so, I mean, after Hogan Knows Best, you did Brooke Knows Best. That ran for like six years, which well done on that. And then now I heard there's a new one coming out soon. We've had a couple different people wanting to, I guess the new fad. And it's so funny because I just did an interview for KTLA. They were like, it's this new fad of like re-upping old brands. And I'm like, who are you calling old? <laughs> <laughs> but it has been about 10 years since, since Brooke Knows Best. Um, and I would absolutely love to do that again. Um, like I said, there's been a couple people approaching. Um, we were actually pretty close on one deal, but COVID has just really kind of stolen the thunder. <laughs> but yeah, I would love to do that. There's so many, you know, new things going on with my life too. I mean, I'm in Nashville and doing the songwriting and 
trying to find a husband. I swear, I feel like the right show would be going on The Bachelorette. Well, I know, <laughs> but, I know all uh, those producers. Know. If you want to get on that, I can get you on that immediately. I want the simple things in life. I want the, <laughs> you know, picket fence and the family and the whole thing, you know, because it's like when you come from such a crazy life and such a crazy background, it's like you really actually value family and your privacy and stuff like that. So it's just so hard to find in general. People dating in general have a hard time finding people, let alone being Hulk Hogan's daughter and, you know, having your own career and then having your dad's career kind of there in the background. It's like, well, what do you want from me? <laughs> I assume it's got to be tough to date you. Like, okay, so like post-show, you're dating whoever. I feel bad for my sisters. My dad wasn't, you know, a professional wrestler who was like known as like just beating the crap out of people. Was it so scary for you to introduce guys to him? And then also like were those guys just so terrified to come and, and meet your dad? You get like two sets of guys. You get guys that are like, oh, I'm a big boy, I can handle myself, and they come in cocky, and then you get the ones that are really scared, and they can't hold their own, and you're just like, oh my gosh. Um, now it's more like, my dad is more protective of me and the music, because he knows that we're on to something good with this music, and the other stuff that we have is just, oh my gosh, like, we were having a hard time picking which song to come out with, and Love People made sense with the time that we're in, um, but the other music that we have is just equally as good, it's just all so awesome, and, um, and he's like, don't let any boy distract you. I'm like, dad, I'm 32 years old. Like you met Jen, the lady he's married to right now. I'm like, you met her when she was my age. Like it's time, <laughs> you know? So, uh, but you know, God has his own plan. So I'm just going with the flow. I do love, love people. It's a single that came out, what, in October? Came out in October. I think towards the end of October, something like that. And, uh, like I said, COVID kind of slows stuff down. We're hitting it hard with radio team and everything uh, January 1st. So okay. that's exciting. What's following? Is there an EP, an LP? Is There's an EP, and I uh, argue with my best friend and music manager, Drew, all the time on what's going to be the next single. There's one called Boomerang that he's like, you need to perform this at WrestleMania. It's such a badass song. Like You just have to like come out and just kill it. Um, and then my dad's got a favorite called Don't Know It Yet which is like a very Motown love song. He kind of, he's a hopeless romantic. So he loves that song. And then other people love this one that me and Jen Denmark wrote together called boys trip, which is like a total play on words. Like you'd think it would be like, Oh, boys trip, like beers and golfing and stuff. And it's more like boys trip when they think that I've been getting a little bit of uh, too much attention or when they don't like the kind of looks that I'm getting, like stuff like that, it's kind of like insecure men. So there's this plethora of music that we're like, we can't really decide what to go with for next single. So I have a feeling it's going to be somewhere between Boomerang and Boys Trip, maybe. Not sure. I was a music director and program director for many years. So if you want to send me over some of the demos. I, I like that idea. <laughs> I like that idea. I'm actually going to have to get your number and put you and Drew on a, because Drew loves that. He loves like asking PDs for their opinion and which one they would put out next. So we will definitely send you the songs and let you give us your opinion. I would love that actually. So is, is Brooke knows Nashville, like just in pause. Like I, I read about that. There's this reality show that you are going to be filming out of Nashville. So is it just on pause because of COVID? COVID has COVID has put it on pause. There's so many different rules with the city about how many people can be in a room, stuff like that. So it's like, try having a 30 person camera crew in a 12 by 10 room, not happening. So uh, we're trying to figure out how we can make this happen. I mean, we're going to have to get creative. So quick break. When we come back, we are going to, did anyone tell you the basis of this podcast? 
Um, they said that you talk about where people are like background. Yeah. Where people are. Okay, cool. Origin stories. When we come back, we're going to find out where the hell Brooke Hogan came from and how the hell she got here. Stick around. Mother's Day is coming, and mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint. Get mom Bartesian. It's the countertop cocktail maker that creates your choice of over 60 premium cocktails in less than 30 seconds, each at the touch of a button. Flowers die. Happy hour comes back every day. So get mom the machine that makes amazing cocktails with real fruit juices and craft bitters. Best of all, get $50 off a Bartesian premium cocktail maker with the purchase of one pack of cocktail capsules. So instead of getting mom a reason to fill a flower vase with water, get mom the easiest, fastest way to fill her glass with the floral notes of gin. The best cocktails are premium cocktails and the best day to get it for mom is Mother's Day because you can get $50 off now for a limited time. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother to get the best premium cocktail maker for mom at the best price for you. Artesian, premium cocktails on demand. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. <sighs> Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Wednesday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. That's pretty cool, actually. All right, back in the Wells cast, I have Brooke Hogan on the show today. This show is an origin story show, and I feel like a lot of people saw your origin story in real time. Like you grew up in front of a lot of families, but I want to go back before Hogan knows best. Where were you born? <laughs> you know what I think? First of all, before we even get into that, I think that that's very clever because um, anytime you do an interview, right. As a celebrity or somebody that's, you know, have a little bit of fame, people kind of don't really ask you that. They say, oh, what was it like growing up on reality TV or had to be cool having a dad as Hulk Hogan? They never actually asked what was your experience like, you know, so I think that's pretty that's pretty interesting because I think there's a lot of things that you're going to find out that a lot of people don't know. Everyone kind of knows about the person when they got the blue check, but no one knows how the hell and how hard they had to work to get to right. that point, you know? Seeing, you know, me grow up on reality TV, I mean, you got to see a 23-minute episode of something that was cut to be entertaining. Yeah. It's like you were really seeing, like, the day-to-day -day and stuff. So, um, but Origin, I was born 10 pounds, 11 ounces. <laughs> huge, baby. Yeah. <laughs> at Tampa General Hospital. On May 5th, Cinco de Mayo, I have the best birthday ever because it's always chips and margaritas at, I believe, 8.05 at night. How many siblings do you have? I have one brother. Yep. He was born at 8.05 in the morning, actually, which is so funny, but he was July 27th, 1990, so. Are you big on, like, time that you were born having an effect on the person that you are? I definitely believe 
uh, in horoscopes to an extent, like astrology and stuff, I do think it is kind of funny how a lot of it does nail certain things on the head. And people that don't believe in it, when you read their traits, they're like, hmm, I guess that is kind of like me. I'm like, see, told you, it's real. <laughs> okay, so you were born in Florida. How long are you there for? Grew up Clearwater Beach, whole life. I think the first time I actually moved away was to film the Miami section of Hogan Knows Best. So we had a second house in LA because my mom's family was from there. So we'd go visit, but it wasn't ever our like primary place that we lived because we went to school here. So I went to a private Catholic school right down the road called St. Cecilia's. That was extremely tough. I did not like school. I was terrible in American history and um, geography and anything having to do with the United States, geographics, capitals and cities and things like that. And then remembering like when Christopher Columbus like sailed the ocean blue, I still couldn't tell you. So, <laughs> but I can tell you the, how, you know, atoms and cells and math things. I'm good with like math and science. So that was my thing. <laughs> Were you always into entertaining? Like how did the whole like singing thing come about? So on my mom's side of the family and on my dad's, I guess there was music in both. My dad was a studio musician and played bass for a lot of actually like famous songs that are on the radio now. Like he put on the XM, you know, rock station. He's like, oh, that's me playing bass. I was like, that uh, pertinent information you left out? Like, that's pretty awesome. Um, but he's a killer bass player. He uh, played fretless bass. He was in a band uh, back before he did wrestling, which is so funny. He did the band to afford his passion, which was wrestling. And I've done other things to afford my passion, which is music. So it's kind of like backwards. He had a musical background. But my mom's side of the family actually was all piano and guitar. So I grew up playing piano since I was five and piano lessons every day after school. And I hated it. And I could not read notes, still can't to this day. So I figured out a trick that I would tell the piano teacher, uh, her name was Mary Frances. God rest her soul. I think she's dead now. She, I would say, can you just play it for me so I can hear what it's going to sound like? And I would literally have a photographic memory and watch her fingers and lock it in and then pretend like I was reading the notes, but play it back. But Whoa. I had no idea what I was looking at. <laughs> can you still do that? Yeah. So now I can just listen to something and play it back. But I think it's probably better than reading notes because then if somebody plays me a song or if I picture something in my head, I can just put it down. Wow. That's insane. Have you ever had your dad play on any of your stuff? Oh, I wish. I've asked him all the time. And he's like one of those people like, oh yeah, well, I'm done with that side of my life now. And I'm like, Daddy daughter bonding. Come on, give me something that I can like have one thing like just crazy. You know, he's got all of his like memorabilia and his thunder lips, you know, cape hanging up in his beach shop and this and that. And I'm like, these things need to be behind glass doors with locks on them. What's happening? You know, um, I always told him, I'm like, we need to figure out what, how to store all this stuff. I'm like, I am never the type that would ever sell any of this stuff. I would keep it for my kids. I would hold on to it until the day I died. Yeah. Cause I'm a very sentimental person. But, you know, it's like when somebody, when it's like, if it was, uh, not that anybody wants my clothing, well, people with fetishes want my shoes and my underwear, which is gross. But, you know, it's like, it doesn't mean anything to him. A t-shirt that he wore has no meaning to him, but he doesn't realize like, my dad like changed the world. Like I want like the shirt that you ripped, like I want to have those things like to remember the greatness of you. And like, as your daughter, I want to keep those little keepsakes, but he doesn't care. So he's like, oh, I'm done playing bass. I'm like. I literally do music. It would matter so much to me yeah. if I could have you play bass on one of my songs. Well, maybe one day you'll get him to do it. I have to bat my eyelashes and be like, please, daddy. Yeah. This will really help get some radio play, dad. <laughs> so I try not to 
ask him. I really try not to ask him for anything. I really, uh, I'm not one that ever wanted to take his money or take, you know, have him do free promotion or anything like that. I mean, back in Miami, my label would be like, Hey, can you promote this for Brooke? And I would always feel like so weird. Cause I'm like, I don't want my dad being like, Hey everybody yeah, go look at Brooke's stuff. It's like, I want to do it on my own. I'm a Taurus. I'm stubborn. <laughs> I was reading that by the age of 13, that's when you signed with Lou Pearlman. Right. How does that, that even was, come about? Um, well, actually, to go back to something that you said before, my dream when I was younger was to be a marine biologist. Okay. I wanted to work with dolphins and do all that kind of stuff. And then I really started um, kind of enjoying playing piano. And my mom could sing, so she would kind of like sing with me. And then it just became a thing where I was like, hmm, you know, I feel like I have something to say to the world and a gift to bring to the world, so maybe I should pursue that. So um, we were in Tampa. We were like an hour outside of Orlando. So my dad was like, let me just see if I can make a couple calls. Total nepotism. He called Lou and got a hold of him and said, Hey, will you listen to my daughter saying this is where nepotism. I always tell people, I'm like, you can have somebody open the doors, but if you can't walk through them, it doesn't matter, you know? So it's like, great that I got the opportunity, but you know, if, if I sucked like I did, um, you know, you get the door slammed in your face. So the first time I went to Lou's office on Sand Lake road, um, he stood maybe six inches in front of my face and said, sing. And I was like, so nervous. I was like, amazing grace. And he's like, you need more work. Go back and, you know, do voice lessons for a year and go back and do this and that, and then come back to me. So a year later I came back and did a showcase for him and blew his socks off. <laughs> um, and he signed me, he signed me there uh, when we finally had that showcase and I kind of brushed up on my stuff. What is that dude like? Because he creates Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and O-Town. I always you. had a good experience with him. Okay. I loved him. He was like a teddy bear to me. You know, I just, I guess when you're a kid, you just don't realize that, you know, adults are doing bad things. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but he was always very sweet to me and, and really, really kind to me. And I mean, just gave me such a great experience to look back on in life. Like just, God, it was just so fun. It was like a magical compound that you could go to. Like he had one room you could do your vocal lessons and then you'd move to band practice and then you'd move to dance classes and you would literally just spend all day grooming yourself at this location. And it was just so fun because you were just around other kids your age, O-Town, Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, Aaron Carter, everybody's walking through the hallways. You know, Aaron helped me translate one of my songs to Spanish and was in the studio helping me sing my Spanish version of our first single. And just, it was just a really cool mixture of, of people and, and talent and songwriters and producers. It was just, like I said, magical. I will never forget that time in my life. If I could go back to it, I would. It kind of sounds like famous kids camp. Yeah. Yeah. Like here's how to become a baby tiny musical genius. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yeah. You're singing and dancing and signed to the biggest music manager on earth at that point. How long between that and getting to VH1? So Lou said, uh, we need to get a reality show for Brooke. We need to get a reality show to help Brooke's music. You know, let's make a couple calls. I guess he got in touch with VH1 and they said, well, let's do a, a special that we have called Inside Out. And it was like where they would take celebrities and kind of document the inside uh, view of their life. And we did Inside Out Hulk Hogan's stage dad, which was like this new view of him. You think he's this tough wrestler, but really he is helping his daughter drive to the studio and 
zipping my costume up and trying to make sure that my in-ears are in right and pass me tea while I'm singing, you know, it was very cute. And it ended up being, um, that's so funny, the choreographer, who was also on Brooke Knows Best, Glenn, I met Glenn through Lou, is calling me right now. <laughs> His ears must be ringing. Yep. It was like this, I think it was the highest rated segment on that show. So VH1 said, let's do a reality show. So it actually was just one special that we were doing to try to like promote the single. It was called Everything to Me. Um, if you Google it, there's a music video and everything. And you'll hear it's like guitar driven stuff. I think even one of the songs had like a fiddle in it and a harmonica. So I'm like, I was doing this before I did pop. <laughs> <laughs> this was the original music. Um, but yeah, so it, it, that was the, that's that. And so how long does that run, that show? So we did four seasons of Hogan Knows Best. And then we moved on to Brooke Knows Best. And we did two seasons of Brooke Knows Best, even though we were supposed to do three more after that. But that's when my brother's accident, my parents divorced and everything happened. And it was like life imploded. Like nobody wanted to be on camera together. There were so many legal ramifications. Like we couldn't talk about what was going on on camera. Um, it was just really, for lack of a better word, a complete shit show. <laughs> that was just like a really unfortunate time. And, and since then it's, you know, I look back and I'm like, God, we were in like 110 countries, just hit the ground running when I was 15 years old with that first episode that we did with VH1 and then it just turned into god we just never had a break and then you're 22 years old and your show is gone you have a breather and you're just like spinning out like I moved to LA I moved to Florida again I moved to Nashville like I moved a bunch of places so just kind of almost you know arrested development for a minute because you're just like I started when I was 15 I've been busy doing this the whole time and now who am I? What am I doing? Where am I at? So it, the last 10 years of not being on TV has been very good for me <laughs> to just kind of be normal. When you look back at that time in your life, do you have like a fondest memory? Of, of uh, filming? Yeah. I think what's so great about it is even though a lot of the scenarios were helped along, <laughs> uh, if you will, it is so nice because I can look back on my family being together, you know, the house that we all lived in, um, you know, some of the days were really funny and it's like watching it is so cool because it's like, you can just go right back to that moment, you know, and sometimes I get lost in that, but sometimes it's not healthy to do that either because you spend your life looking backwards. Um, so, you know, once in a blue moon, you know, I'll put on a funny episode and be like, God, I remember that day. But it's funny because most of the time, um, like Glenn and Ashley, who did Brooke Knows Best with me, will say, oh, my God, remember when we did that? And I had like blacked out for like a year of my life because I think I was just under so much stress. And I was never the type to deal with it with like drugs or being crazy. Like I never spun out of control. And I always felt fine. You know, it's like I was just raised to be that kind of strong person. But when I look back, I'm like, I think my brain was frying out from stress and just you know, our life imploding that I was just going through the motions and filming and like, I don't remember certain things from that time that I'm just like, no idea. I think the one thing that a lot of people are surprised by when I talk about nuts and bolts and how the sausage is made when it comes to reality television is the long hours. It's really long mm -hmm. shoot days. And because no one, a lot of people aren't union in that situation, they can really kind of push you much, much farther and harder than they really should. Uh, I'll be doing Paradise, and I'll, I'll be like, I'm on hour 19 of standing and bartending, you know? Like, can I get cut now? Like, at some point, when do I rap here? And so I can totally understand, like, your situation where it just was, like, nonstop for years on end. You just, it all becomes a blur at some point. 
Yeah, I remember when we would finish filming and we'd have like maybe two months off. I just remember that first month just sleeping, just feeling like, God, I need just endless amounts of sleep because I'm just exhausted. Um, and even what you do, you know, being on a mic, having to be on takes so much energy out of you. It just, and it is amazing. It's almost like adrenaline. Like when women can lift cars off of their kids, like when they're in, like I didn't get very much sleep last night, but because I had to do KTLA and this and that, it's like, you have this like strength and this, your eyes get bright and you just, the flip switch off the switches on and you're just like, here I am. But then the moment that I get off of this with you, I'll be like <laughs> knocked out in the sun, <laughs> you know? Brooke Knows Best runs for six years. Mm -hmm. What happens after that? Honestly, just 10 years of, um, I think all of our lives kind of just falling apart. It was actually really, um, it's, it's been a very hard road to go down because my parents have been in constant lawsuits and constant just battling each other. My dad got remarried 10 years ago to a super nice lady, Jen, who, who is like, people say we look like twins, but personality wise, we're born like Obviously, she's older than I am, but we're like both Taurus is born a couple days apart. We have the same personality traits. Um, so we get along great. But it has just been hard. I mean, my dad's been through his own stuff with, I mean, just everything that's come out in the press and then 10 back surgeries. And just, I mean, the toll that that even takes on your body is just insane. People think, oh, this is the one misconception. And it just makes me so mad when I, I try not to read comments. And I have a lot of really nice followers, but one person, you know, has to be like, oh, must be easy being, you know, a millionaire and having a rich daddy. And I'm like, you don't know that there were a lot of financial sucks, you know, from our family with, you know, lawsuits and legal. I mean, I always tell people like these girls, you know, they're like, oh, you know, I'm dating a guy, he's got money, he's got, and I'm like, where does this even come from? Cause you can have millions of dollars and have one thing happen. You know, you can bump somebody in the back with your car and they can own you. I mean, it's just money just comes and goes so much. It's like, I think the thing that's attractive about men is if they know how to make it, if they're smart, if you ever lose it, you can make it again. You're a hustler. But, but trying to say that that's the be all end all is like, it's so easy to lose. And not to mention, you know, I get off TV and to keep Brooke Hogan trademarks and to keep, you know, the lawyer fees and this and that. It's like now that I'm not having TV money coming in, but I'm still also having to keep up with my trademarks and my lawyers and my insurance and all this stuff. It's like the I got it slapped with an $80,000 lawyer bill as soon as I was done with Brooke Knows Best. And that was one of many. And I'm like, you can make a couple hundred thousand dollars and it can be gone in a few months just with, you know, it takes money to make money. So um, it's been a very delicate balance. Um, my friend Drew is like, you shouldn't be ashamed of telling people this. And I'm not because I have no shame in my game. I really don't care. Um, but I actually ended up cocktail waitressing for a while because I was just like, I'm not going to ask my dad for money. He's already under enough stress. Um, I'm not that type of person anyway. And I ended up finding out that it was like stripper money. I was like, damn, how come I didn't do this before? <laughs> you know? Um, so I actually worked at the JW Marriott in Nashville at the rooftop and I was a cocktail server and I'm telling you what, man, that money was unfair. <laughs> I was like, this is like TV money. How did I not ever do this before? You know, and the thing, the only thing that sucked was you'd walk up to a table and every single table was like, aren't you Brooke Hogan? Yeah. What are you doing here? And I would be like, oh, we're, some of the servers would cover for me. They'd be like, she's filming an undercover show. I'm like, you guys are so sweet. <laughs> you know? Um, and then, you know, in that whole time, I was like, well, I want to, you know, try to have a, like I said, I've never been interested in fame, but I love business. I love being creative. So I actually started an interior design company in Nashville that specializes in Airbnbs. 
so that's like my bread and butter and that's my, my, you know, side hustle, but, um, it affords me to do what I really love, which is music. So, you know, hopefully if everything pans out, all of it will take off simultaneously. Cause I do like doing the design thing. I think that's amazing. You are hustling on both ends of the spectrum. You're hustling with your music and then you're like, you know, what, it, I'm not going to ask my dad for any money. I'm going to go make this on my own. It's so funny. I found this when I was out of college because I did the same thing just kind of backwards. I was a radio host that didn't really pay the bills. So I would also <laughs> wait tables and then I'd moonlight the radio station. And a lot of the kids that I went to college with, I don't know, kind of like look down upon me for doing that. It's a weird thing of like a lot of people just assume that they deserve to have the big job out of college and be making six figures and <laughs> this entitlement thing that a lot of people have. Now you look at it and, and I'm sure a lot of people are like, well, shit, I should have gone down the route Wells went because I make, you know, 10 times more money than all those assholes ever did. But I hustled earlier in life. Right. And I think that's awesome that one, that you did it and two, that you are telling all of my listeners about it. Because at the end of the day, what this show is, is like, what's the blueprint for success? I think a lot of people just assume that famous people are lucky, and that's just not right. the case. Every time I watch TV and you see these people that you see on red carpets and you expect them to have tons of money, I think to myself, I'm like, God, they probably have side hustles and other stuff they're working on because it is it takes so much to stay afloat in the entertainment industry. And two, total side note, I think every, and people say this all the time, but it's so true. I think everybody needs to wait tables in their life. I really think that you do not understand what the service industry goes through, whether you're on the phone to Southwest Airlines and you're dealing with a representative, whether you're in line you know, with a cashier, whether you have a waitress or a waiter. Um, it really is, I would say, mentally, one of the hardest jobs that I've done because you know, trying to be on, like as if you're in the entertainment industry and, and be friendly and be helpful and courteous and kind, but also just have so many things. I mean, just the orders from the, the kitchen to they need water. She wants another glass of wine. The steak was cooked wrong. I mean, it just, the, the to-do list in your mind at that moment piles on. Like you really have to be wearing 18 hats and be able to juggle and just do it all with a smile. And, and I think it would give people a lot of respect for people in the service industry. Two-way tables, you really understand. So it's a humongous turnoff to me if somebody is unkind to somebody in the service industry, because I feel like, and what else I think is so amazing too is those servers might make more than you do. You know, like they are probably making better money in certain situations. They might be, and you're looking down on them like they're servants. And it's just like, especially bartenders, man, they, I should have bartended. That was the way to go. And what's so funny, I actually got that job because Diamond Dallas Page's daughter, Brittany, was bartending at Bourbon Steak. And she said, girl, you have got to come work here. She goes, I just upgraded a bartender from the lounge you should be a lounge server. And I was like, are you sure? Okay. She's like, yeah, girl, come on in. And I swear to God, we had so much fun. We were just like slinging drinks and making people happy. And we would like, we had one guy named Godfrey that was like a total charmer. So instead of us sticking to our layout for our tables that night, if I got a table full of women, I would put Godfrey on them because he would charm the pants off of them. Well, probably not literally, maybe, you never know. Um, and then if he got a whole table of men or a football team or something like that, he'd put me on them, right? So, and then we would just split tips and go back and forth. And it was, it was a hell of a good time. I still like, even I go and eat there to say hi to everybody and just like hang out. I'm going there for New Year's. And um, just seeing all the servers and stuff, I'm like, honestly, I still miss it. I wish I could come back here like two days a week just for the social aspect and just for like 
the hustle and bustle. It was just such a good experience. Yeah, I was the, I was the waiter and bartender at Brick Tops. I don't know if you ever went there. I love Brick Tops. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you waited on me. <laughs> probably, I probably did actually. But I mean, well, I think I was done working there in two thousand nine. Brick Tops on West End. Yeah. Oh, cool. But anyways, the, the, the joke that I always said was because I did the morning show on Lightning, which was the show that everyone wanted. And then I did four different formats at iHeart. And the joke was that I made more money waiting tables than I ever did on all those radio stations combined. Right? Isn't that funny? And I then know. when I was a bartender, this is the thing that no one believes, that I made more money as a real bartender than I ever had as a television bartender on Bachelor in Paradise, which is like the most popular show that runs during the summer. I always killed it much more in terms of just like bottom dollar really yes. doing it than in the entertainment industry, which I just think is funny and kind of going back to your point. So, so crazy too, like especially in Nashville, like the bartenders and stuff down on Broadway, like even the barbacks come home just sweet because it's just the amount of people. I mean, this is obviously pre-COVID. But man, it is a great industry to be in. Yeah, and especially if you're if you're pursuing your dreams in the entertainment industry because you can do that at night and then you can go to auditions right. or whatever during the day and I don't know. You got to burn it at both ends, but that's how you become successful as you hustle and that's just the end of the story. I will uh, say bringing home a lot of cash at the end of the day definitely makes losing sleep a little easier. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, hey, listen, I'm running out of time with you. I feel like we could we could do this for a while. But before I let you go, you want to do some rapid fire questions? Sure. Oh, I've never had anybody do this with me. That's so exciting. <laughs> Let's do it. Rapid fire question with Brooke Hogan. Number one, favorite pizza topping? Oh, ranch. <laughs> <laughs> We've never gotten that. I love that. Favorite book? Uh, Bringers of the Dawn. <laughs> Who was your first kiss? Eric Carter. Damn, that's a good one. What was the first concert you ever went to? Backstreet Boys. What was the first job you ever had? Waiting tables. Actually, I, w I worked at a breakfast restaurant. <laughs> what was the first car you ever owned? An uh, expedition. What was your biggest pet peeve? Hygiene. If people have bad hygiene. Blech. Who's the most famous person in your phone? Jason Aldean. <laughs> if you won a Grammy, an Oscar, a Tony, or... or <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe Hulk Hogan. I don't know. Okay. Jason Aldean's like, hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> if you won an Oscar or a Grammy or a Tony or a SAG, who would be the first person that you thanked in your speech? Scott. Did you have a poster hanging on your bedroom wall when you were a kid? Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Oh, man. JTT. Was the first record cassette or CD you owned? Uh, Selena, and it was a cassette. Favorite flower? Oh, I know what they're called. They're the funeral flower. What, uh, um... Oh, that was dark. Oh, God. Why is it? Good? It's a really tough little ball of a flower, but they call it the funeral flower. All right, we'll go with funeral flower. Yeah. One thing that's always in your fridge. Wine. One thing on your bucket list. Being on the Jerry Springer show or going to it. <laughs> and now that's never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> what animal do you wish you could talk to? My dog. Physical trait that you notice about someone you are attracted to? Their feet. Really? Yeah, if somebody's got bad feet, ugh. I hear that. Or their mouth, their mouth or their nose. Something about this area here can be a turn on or a turn off. How would you describe your high school self? Very awkward and very shy. Who's your childhood hero? My dad. I told people that he could lift up the whole school. So. Well, if anyone could do it, it would be the whole. <laughs> you know? Favorite place to uh, vacation with your family? 
Used to be the Atlantis um, when we were kids, but yeah, I would say Key West now probably is really fun. Who is your celebrity crush? Mm, John Hamm from uh, Mad Men. <laughs> and uh, last, but definitely not least, you know, obviously Love People is out right now. It's a song everyone should go listen to, download, stream, or whatever. If you could write a song with anyone, alive or dead, who would it be? Oh, God, Linda Perry. I love it. <clears throat> from Four Non Blondes. Those are some of the best answers we've ever gotten. Yay! For rapid fire questions. I love that. Uh, Brooke Hogan, you've been an absolute delight to talk to and uh, learn your story. I wish you all the success. Everyone out there, again, Love People is out now. Keep on looking for the EP that should be coming out soon. I hope that Brooke knows Nashville gets back to filming and uh, is airing on TV yeah. soon. It sounds awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Enjoy the new year. Hopefully it'll be better than last. Absolutely <laughs> right. We need a break. <laughs> All right. See you, dude. Thank you so much. That was an awesome interview. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Well, she's just the most lovely lady in the world. Super talented. I love how confident she was about everything. I loved that. It was really, really cool to hear someone who has been on three television shows, had a number one hit, be like, you know what? Things aren't working well. I got to go back to slinging drinks. Her dad's Hulk Hogan, not entitled at all. And that's the thing. Common denominator for all successful people is they know how to hustle. You know, girl can hustle. That was awesome. Really, really, really cool interview. All right. I'm all out of here. See you guys next week. If you like the show, please rate and review on the Apple and Play stores. Helps the algorithm. Uh, tweet to me at Wells Adams or Instagram me at Wells Adams uh, if you like the show and what guests you'd like to hear on here. Cool. All right. I am out of here. Subscribe to Wells Cast on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you get your podcasts. It's the internet. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.